This episode of the Braving Business Podcast is sponsored by, well, me. I'm PJ Benoit, and I've been in the domestic and international logistics space for over 30 years. If you need any assistance with transportation or logistics, my team and I will jump at the chance to help. Whether it be parcel shipments, e-commerce, pallets and freight, full truckload, international air and ocean, imports, exports, warehousing and distribution, or really anything under the logistics umbrella, we got you covered. For more details, please go to shipwithpj.com. That's shipwithpj.com. Reach out to me there. Mention you found me on this podcast for a special surprise. And one last quick thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please stay on after the show to learn more about the Braving Business Podcast and other great episodes for you to discover. And now, let's get the show started. Well, hello there. Hello there, PJ. How are you, sir? How was your weekend? Good, man. Uh, it was. It was okay. It was okay. Bears. Uh, bears suck. They suck. They suck. Just so you know, the <laughs> bears suck. So, uh, just broke my heart again. But that's all right. How was your weekend, my friend? Uh, my weekend was great. I didn't watch any football. Um, Good for you. And uh, I, I didn't watch any soccer either, which is usually a big. Uh, occupation of mine over the weekend but um you know this was an international weekend and uh um, a lot of the club teams are off and there were no great match matches over the weekend so i i ended up getting a lot of rest i i got my covid um uh whatever it is booster Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on friday afternoon and i also got my flu shot on friday afternoon and it really knocked me on my butt i'm glad i got both absolutely think it's essential but man was i tired on uh on uh saturday i mean i slept most of the day good so, for you <laughs> but all good i'm sure uh, you know i'm sure rich had a, a more fun weekend than either yeah, one of us uh, really. given given that he's are you in vegas this weekend rich i am in vegas yes yeah thank oh, you what did you do what did you do this weekend that was probably more fun than either pj or me <laughs> you know uh, the the uh the nascar races were in town and i had tickets and passes and everything and i just couldn't get motivated to go i, I ended up having a couple friends over watched it here barbecued Got in some disc golf over the weekend. There you go. Yeah. What is what is disc golf? What is that? Frisbee golf. So oh, it's frisbee like golf, golf. With, with with nine the- inch discs of different sizes and shapes, and they do different things and fly different ways. And yeah, so, I've never heard of a, that. Have you a, heard of that, Peter? Oh yeah, it's a big deal, right? Like okay. they got they got okay. this contraption. That's the quote unquote pin, but it's like it's got chains. A basket. Yeah, it's a basket and it's got chains hanging so it catches the disc and that's yeah, cool. I mean these people are talented. I I can barely catch a frisbee, mm-hmm. let alone play golf. So uh, it's a funny thing is it's been around for you know 30, 40 years. And it's weird because we have eight courses in Vegas and you know we used to go all the time just we pretty much knew everybody. Then when COVID hit people were starting to discover outdoor activities. Mm. So all of a sudden more people started playing, especially here. So, but it's good. That's very cool. A lot, is, of, a lot of fun. So real quick. Is that eight courses that also do golf that have disc golf or is it just disc golf courses? There are two courses that see North Vegas municipal is a nine hole executive course, but then they put baskets in for us. So what we'll do is they put in two sets of baskets, the gold ones and the white ones. So you go around twice hmm. and okay. so, so you go through once you play the white baskets because they're, they're configured differently. They're in different places. Sure. 
I might so, have to try this golf. I yeah. think I'd be better at it than real golf. That's for sure. <laughs> it can't be any worse. So. There's a lot going on, though. I mean, you yeah. know, you hit a ball. If you can hit a ball, it's going to go pretty true unless you shank it or whatever. But in disc, you know, you're dealing with wind conditions and yeah, I going hit around things. I mean, uh, there's a lot. There's like a lot going yeah. on. Try it. All right. Well, you know what, Rich? Maybe next time I come to Vegas, you can uh, take me on the course. I mean, in fact, I'm going to be there in a few months. I'm speaking at the conference uh, in March, and uh, you know, I'll let yeah. you know when I'm there. I've got a guest bag with your name on it. I've got about 150 oh, discs, and I've got yeah, I got you I set up, it. man. Sweet. All right, sounds good. Well, PJ, why don't we introduce our our guest today? This is going to be a fun uh, podcast today, I think, and uh, uh, let's get going. Absolutely. Well, our guest today, if you haven't noticed, is the fabulous Mr. Rich Hopkins, dubbed the King of Extreme. He was doing daredevil stunts before most of us learned how to walk, and uh, thanks <laughs> to these daring toddler antics that his dad shared with him. Uh, bypassing traditional team sports, Rich opted for the solo thrill of extreme sports, extreme, I said extreme, or extreme sports. Uh, during a high school, or despite a high school theater teacher doubting his future in the limelight, Rich now boasts a title as one of the most recognized Tory Pines High School alumni in the entertainment in industry. But the journey wasn't without bumps or broken necks, which I definitely want to hear about. After a severe car accident and heart surgery, he found motivation with none other than Tony Robbins before pivoting to his true calling in film and TV. Founder so you were an assistant to Tony Robbins, huh? Oh, wow. I was. Yeah. How, how did that uh, happen? Was, how, how did you even get to know Tony Robbins? Yeah, it's really weird. Um, it was probably the mid 80s. It would have been 85, 86. My, my really good friend, uh, Kevin Euler was his limo driver and you know he's like oh that you know they need some help like you know in the office in La Jolla Robbins Research Institute is what it was called I, I I'm not sure if it still is and so I was in charge of sending out the PTS kits the personal training system so they would get orders in I'd fill the orders send them out and on occasion there would be like VIP orders that needed to be filled because at the time he had a personal training system, which consisted of six audio cassette tapes, mind you, and a VHS tape that folded in half. I think I have one around here. And then he had his book had just come out called Unlimited Power. So every once in a while, there would be a request from Ronald Reagan, you know, for Tony's book. You know, so I've, I've got I get together all the stuff that he needed to sign for VIPs go up to the castle in Del Mar, you know, he had his castle up there, probably still does, and uh, have him sign the stuff he had to, talk a little bit, maybe shoot some pool. And uh, I actually had the opportunity, I took his kids uh, surfing a couple times. And <laughs> uh, right. so that was that's great. Yeah, it was wild. That's, that's all right. Awesome. Well, PJ, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I yeah. just, uh, I just thought that that was kind of wild. Well, catching up yeah. to to Rich and what he's doing today, he's the founder and president of Thrill Seekers Unlimited. Rich is where he's not only blazed trails in extreme sports, but he's been bringing stunts to the silver screen for over thirty five years. As an actor, stunt performer, and a coordinator, Rich has taken part or taken part in hundreds of films, television shows, and commercials. He's acted in films like *Sympathy for the Devil* alongside Nicolas Cage and *Boneyard* alongside Mel Gibson. He's an actor and a stunt coordinator for the new movie *Hollywood Heist*, featuring Alec Baldwin and Mickey Rourke, and oversaw safety and some of the stunts for the recently released movie *Back on the Strip* with Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Hart, and Wesley Snipes. He even once defied gravity as Spider-Man 
on a thousand foot skyscraper descent. Uh, I'm assuming that's outside because I've done it inside, but it's probably yes. more, <laughs> more captivating outside. Um, and about 25 years ago, which my wife would be very interested in this because she's a romance author, Rich was Fabio's stunt double, which actually was my old job. I don't know how you took that from me. Uh, <laughs> we'll, post, we'll post a photo of the two uh, together after in our social media account so you can see how much they actually look alike. Rich has also They do. That was a wild photo. I, I, I got to say, I did it. <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was, uh, I was a stunt double for all the uh, at night shots of Fabio. Um, Rich was also coordinated, has, has also coordinated stunts on dozens of elite musical acts, including U2, Imagine Dragons, and Celine Dion. And with those aforementioned 35 plus years in show business, Rich remains a true force of nature. If there's one thing to know about Rich, it's that he just doesn't brave business. He literally braves everything. Rich, it's a <laughs> huge welcome, or sorry, it's a huge pleasure to welcome to the brave, welcome you to the Braving Business Podcast. Thank you. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> I'm going to have to hire you to be my publicist instead of Bruce. <laughs> uh, don't tell Bruce that. Yeah, right. Um, Bruce is on. <laughs> um, Rich, it's, it's great to have you here. I appreciate uh, you being with us. And uh, I, I, there's so many topics I want to dive into um, in our one hour or so together. And I'm gonna, I want to get started with the challenge that you talked about in the pre-interview uh around getting into the film industry and particularly in stunts so for, for starters i'd love to hear more about how you got started in the career you chose and then if you don't mind we'd love a deeper dive into what is it about stunts and and i mean hollywood in general it's pretty fraternal uh and what makes what made it so difficult uh, to break into well you know it's weird because it was right around the time i was working for tony uh you know things just i was living in a, a awesome area north san diego county on the beach and stuff but you know we all had just got out of high school and nobody had any direction all we wanted to do was surf and chase girls and go to beach parties and you know some people were doing you know getting in trouble with drugs and some people are od and some people go into jail and i'm like oh man this is not the path for me and you know i, I was working a little bit with tony and and one day when i went up to the castle to have him sign some books for some VIPs. I think we were shooting a game of pool or something. And I said, man, I'm thinking about moving to LA. I got to get out of here. Just, you know, my things aren't going real well. And, uh, and he goes, are you not happy, you know, working with me or whatever? I said, no, no, that's cool and everything. But you know, what do you teach people to go after your dreams? This is me talking to Tony. And I said, to be honest, my dream isn't to work for you. You know, I want to do something else. And he goes, I appreciate that. And and I'll go ahead and flash forward real quick. I ran into him about 15 years ago here in Vegas. He was hired to be the keynote speaker for Hewlett Packard. And my company was hired to do the, the, the grand, like the, the, op the show opening. So we brought in a half pipe with skaters and rollerbladers. And during rehearsal, I saw Tony off to the side watching us, and I went over and reintroduced myself because I had longer hair and tattoos and stuff. And we started talking. He goes, you look familiar. And I told him who I was, and he's like, oh, congratulations. You know, I gave him one of my media packets, and he was like, wow, this is really cool. So that was that was fairly motivating. Yeah. So so what is it, what is it about the stunt business that makes it so difficult to break into? Well, I moved up to L.A. with not a lot of direction. I didn't really know 
what I wanted to do up there. I just wanted to get away from the situation I was in with all my friends being getting in trouble. I got a job at a talent agency on Hollywood Boulevard, which is uh, the old Masonic building, which I think is where Jimmy Kimmel shoots his show. So I was basically answering phones and sending out submissions for the the agents and all that. And I just I met some of the photographers that they worked with. And I said, hey, man, one guy's like, hey, if you send me some extra work, I'll shoot you for free. Next thing you know, I've got headshots and I'm submitting myself on stuff and I'm ending up on sets and completely green, not knowing anything about the business, not knowing anybody in the business. I just became a sponge for knowledge, you know, and like, you know, you're doing extra work. This is 35 something years ago. And, you know, they try to hold all the extras in one little area, you know, so they're out of the way. And I would kind of meander on out and I'd be watching what everybody's doing. What's that guy doing? What's that guy doing? I just wanted to learn. And next thing I, I started, had other opportunities and, and started getting cooler roles and all that. So I love that, that was a start. It, the, the word that comes to mind, sorry, PJ, I know it's, uh, it's, it's your question, but just a quick comment. I think uh, the word curiosity uh, comes to mind, right? It sounds like you were just a sponge. You really wanted to learn everything you could learn. And uh, uh, you felt that by being exposed as much, uh, as much variety uh, as possible, you'd find the niche that, that, that fit your goals and, and, and dreams, uh, it sounds like. And I think that in general, uh, to those of you in the audience who are uh, uh, beginning a path, curiosity is always a really, really important component of, uh, of the journey. Absolutely. PJ, yes. it's all you, man. Uh, Sorry well, to interrupt. Well, no, 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 no. It, it's fascinating. Actually, it kind of, A, kudos to you for putting you in the right, putting yourself, injecting yourself in the right place at the right time, right? Like having the having to uh, see that, you know, hey, I want to get into this industry. I'm going to align myself with this talent agency that's you know, right on Hollywood Boulevard and just kind of immerse yourself in that, learning everything that you can because truly that's like the smartest thing you can do. Right. I mean, I think that building net building your network, like learning uh, not only how the business is, is done, but who's in the business and creating those alliances with those people, whether they're, you know, first tier, like actual people doing super important stuff in that industry, or even, you know, further down the line, more tertiary people, it's always good to build your network that way. So kudos to you. I, I'm sure that that paid off yeah. well for you in the future. Um, yeah, it it, it was a good stepping stone, you know, I, because I started thinking to myself, hey, I'll be the next Tom Cruise. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I actually got to memorize dialogue and I've actually got to take lessons on how to react <laughs> to things. And, you know, so I'd be on these sets and some sets there were stunt people there. And all of a sudden I started gravitating towards those guys. And I'm like, wow, I grew up surfing, rock climbing, jet skiing, skateboarding. I mean, I was in the Mecca, North San Diego County was, you know, the birthplace of most action sports and i was doing them all and i'm like hey i can do that mm -hmm. and guess what <laughs> they weren't having any of that they're like don't call us we'll call you <laughs> like go away son you bother me kind of gave me the brush off and i started realizing these guys all know each other wow these guys are like all family and you know so stunts to me was even harder of a nut to crack than acting so uh, it, it, it was, was frustrating. I mean, most people would have just thrown in the towel, like 90% of people that get in the entertainment industry fall out the bottom. 
you know, in a matter of years because they realize, wow, you actually got to know what you're doing and, and you can't wing it, you know? Yeah. It's an art. I mean, it, it's definitely an art. So one of the things that you, you wrote about in our, in our pre-show, uh, informational <laughs> gathering process is that you have emphasized the importance of never giving up when trying to overcome obstacles. And so can you share a particular moment or story in your past or in your career where this mantra really held true for you? No, absolutely. Well, what happened was after, you know, spinning my wheels for two and a half, three years in LA, you know, living with roommates stacked in like cordwood, eating top ramen every night, you know, I had a job offer from a friend from down in North San Diego County. His dad actually owned Family Fitness Center, um, which has now become 24-hour fitness. Well, he, Perry, lived in Las Vegas. His dad said, here, you can have the Las Vegas region. And I was always in touch with him. How's it going? And he's like, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm starving in LA. This sucks. And he's like, do you want a job? Come out, come out to Vegas. I'll give you a job working in, in the gym. My mom happened to live in Vegas. So I was like, bye-bye, Top Ramen. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I moved to Vegas, New Year's Day, 1991. So, um, and, and so like never giving up, man. Like, so you're just like, I'm going to take this opportunity and run with it. Well, well actually, it sounds like you gave up. You you left. So t- tell me how the how the mantra plays into this, right? So yeah. So here, up. so right then, I'm like, okay, am I throwing in the towel on the showbiz thing? That was fun for a few years, but then I got to Vegas. You know, I'm doing my thing with the gym. I started actually making money where I could like not eat top ramen, and I started meeting people. Not only in action sports, there was guys that are paragliding and skydiving, rock climbing, and you know. They did wakeboarding out of Lake Mead. So I started meeting all these action sports people. But then I also realized, wow, there's a little bit of a film industry here. And our film book, which is now like about this thick, it's like three inches thick. It used to be like the size of a flip calendar, you know, and there was probably two dozen people in this production directory in Vegas. And I'm like, wow, nobody's doing stunts. And all of a sudden the, the light bulb went off. I'm like, hey. I'm going to, I'm going to fill this void. You know, it was one of those light bulb moments, <laughs> click. And all of a sudden I started my company thrill seekers as an action sports vacation company. So corporate executives were coming out to Vegas and we were taking them skydiving and rock climbing and bungee jumping and, you know, doing all this rad stuff. And then that segued into me doing some commercials here and there. And it just took off from there. I mean, this guy, uh, uh, this guy came out from Newsweek and did a story on us. And then next thing you know, Inside Edition's calling. I mean, it just like exploded overnight. I still had my job at the gym and, and they weren't really stoked on me <laughs> going for this show business thing. They're like, oh, no, that's a that's a pipe dream. That'll never happen. Mm-hmm. Stay focused at Family Fitness and you'll be, you know, a big shot at Family Fitness. And they just was, I didn't want to be a gym rat. So I kept chasing my dream on the side until that actually started making as much or more money than the gym did. And I said, see a gym, you know, so <laughs> I think that's how that, that works. Look, that I, was the start I, of I, it. I, it sounds, uh, you know, very much like you, um, did two things that I think are wise. One is you had a fallback plan or you had a way to sustain yourself while you were building a business. And in general, uh, for entrepreneurs, that's that's a 
uh, a wise thing to do. It puts you in a position to not be desperate uh, and probably lengthens your runway uh to 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 reach your your goals and your dreams with with your with your business uh and then you need to know when uh the right moment is uh to move on from whatever was that was sustaining you so that you can put full time and effort into into the business and really make it thrive and and you have um and and I'd love to talk about some of that you 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 also mentioned in the uh, pre-interview that uh you're comfortable telling all and I thought it would be obviously phenomenal uh for our, for our listeners and viewers to Hear a little behind the scenes story or any kind of anecdote from the journey that you think would be both entertaining, but also enlightening, uh, something that maybe would add, um, you know, some lesson or some benefit um, that you picked up along along the way of maybe having a chuckle or two, um, you know, with some experience that you had. Yeah, um, well, it, it, it wasn't easy making that transition that you were just talking about, because I'm like, OK, do I give up? You know, making three, four, five thousand. You know, back then, thirty years ago, with the gym biz. You, you know, do I? Because it was a it was a tough move to make because it wasn't easy. I gave up five grand a month. You know, doing promotions, marketing, selling memberships, whatever, to not having a consistent job. Because in the film business, what I I tell new people, I said, look, as soon as they say that's a wrap you're basically unemployed mm. okay so mm -hmm. i like to have three or four irons in the fire you know of jobs coming up because again as soon as we're done with one job you're basically unemployed um i don't know if that so answered what's, your so what's question. A, well no it's not it's not really a question it's really more of a story so what is the you know is there a story um that, that you think back to and maybe particularly in your earlier days Maybe a moment that made you believe, "Hey, I, I've made it," or "I'm on the verge of making it," or you know, "I'm I'm I'm at the place from where I can take this where I want to go." Um, you know, is there a moment like that? Maybe uh, that that felt like um, you know you you firmly planted your flag uh, in the earth and you you were you had arrived. Yeah. Well, er early on, I mean, I was met with. I was met with objectives like why why wouldn't you stay the course with the gym business? I was married at the time. Okay, so and her dad wanted me to have the 9 to 5 job, so there's security for his little girl and the white picket fence and all that, and I had this dream that I wanted to go after and I mean even my own family was like, "Oh, you know, like the chances of you making it in that business are slim to none. You should be like really focusing on something more steady and i just i i just i i didn't listen i mean i listened but i didn't believe it i believed that i could do it so i just i just set the course and i'm like i i'm just not going to give up i'm going to i'm going to go down with the ship if i have to and somehow i just you know i i i played my cards right you know i i i came at business from integrity and safety as far as being a stunt coordinator and stunt man and all that. And I think that led to other opportunities. Was there like a, was there a moment like, um, like a shoot or like a particular stunt or something that happened where you were like, okay, this is what I, this is, this is what I want to do the rest of the rest of my career. This is, this is actually who I am. Yeah. I think when I nailed the, the, the double job for Fabio, 
that was one of my first huge, huge, that was like my first screen actors guild job. Mm. And it was exciting to get the job. We went and shot, you know, 150 people down to mainland Mexico in the middle of the jungles. And, uh, I was down there three or four days, had a blast. We rigged up all these vines for me to swing on and, you know, and I didn't realize how much money I was going to make. I knew it was cool. And I mean, I was happy just to be there. I, I At the time, I probably would have paid them to go do it. <laughs> okay. Well, I ended up making, uh, just to give you an idea of, you ask what was the turning point yeah. where I knew this is what I wanted to do. The first time I opened up a check and it was for $10,000. And then sub- subsequently after that, for the next two years, I'd get a check like every three months for ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in residuals. Nice. Okay. So overall over a two including the session fee and all that, one commercial I made about eighty five thousand dollars. Nice. Okay. So that made me go, this is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I could I could see That's uh, great. I could see that. And, and it sounds like I mean, looking for that signal is a really important is a really important thing to do and uh, and recognizing a signal the signal could be money uh it could also be repeat business it could be something you know it, it, obviously it's it's very helpful when it is money but it isn't always money sometimes it's something else obviously when it's money it makes it way easier uh to, to yeah. stay the course well I, you know i think my dad he told me he goes look man the key to life find out something you love to do and you're passionate about and then figure out how to make money doing that mm. and i'm sitting there swinging on vines in a jungle with really cool creative people and then i got all this money sent to me for doing that come on i mean <laughs> that was it <laughs> well that was it so so now currently uh the the recent actor strike which is still going on uh seems to have you know obviously a huge impact on the industry um you know, we're, we're, we're super excited that the writer's guild got what they got, what they were looking for. They deserve every penny. Same said for the SAG after people. I, I think that all you guys should get paid, uh, for You know, every dollar you want, because you really do put out the product. Um, but obviously when you're striking, there is no money coming in. Like this is, this is a challenge that you, you actually have to actively navigate. So what, how has this made you pivot how has this made you um or how did it influence any of your uh any of your current projects or the directions that you're heading well the what it did was it put the brakes on everything okay a lot of people don't know the real insides of inside out what's going on other than the top headlines and stuff but um the screen actors guild strike only affects theatrical which is television and film so it didn't uh, like i there's commercials being filmed there's music oh. videos being filmed so like that's why how i was able to do the youtube video atomic city okay yeah it, it doesn't involve those contracts those are separate type of contracts there's commercial there's theatrical you know what i'm saying okay now the other thing too is and i tell everybody in the film business you have to be fiscally responsible okay prime example out here in vegas it's hot as hell in summer okay so filming kind of curtails a little bit when it's that hot even though we're all used to it that live here for any substantial amount of time it's the la new york producers and their crew that come out here next thing you know 
I'm, I'm telling my medic, keep pumping electrolytes into those guys. And they're like, oh, we're not thirsty. And I'm like, keep guzzling, guzzle, <laughs> guzzle. So it gets hot out here. So it slows down. Okay. Then in the film and TV industry, we have what's called holiday hiatus. Okay. Nobody wants to start shooting a movie right before Thanksgiving and then stopping and then starting again and then stopping for Christmas and then starting again and then stopping for New Year's. So things really slow down during holiday hiatus. So my advice to young people getting in my business, be fiscally responsible, rat hole away some money for those lean times. I mean, I've I've nailed down three jobs in a row and then I didn't work for two months. That's just the nature of the business. So you've got to be able to carry yourself through those times, you know, and and keep yourself going. And so, to the question that PJ raised, I mean, I think, you know, the reality is I imagine you didn't anticipate the strike occurring. It, it perhaps was contemplated or thought of, but obviously everyone hoped it would be avoided. Then it's reality. And it sounds like what you did was, well, you took advantage of whatever opportunities were available to you, particularly with musical acts, um, which again is, uh, is quite wise. If you have the ability in your business to not have a single source of income that you know uh, potentially can be disrupted by things outside of your control. PJ had that experience with with his jeans company uh, that was severely impacted by um, changes in in international trade. Yep. Uh, these Earth. things happen. These things yeah. happen. Uh, and if and if you are not in a position to either respond or you're not diverse enough to be able to sustain. You're going to be in some trouble. So it's great, you know. Obviously, you're you've been around a really long time. Thrill Seekers Unlimited's been around a really long time, and you've you've done some really cool things and are doing really cool things. And so I'm not shocked that you have sustained. That's one of the advantages of incumbency and being around a really long time. If you're a younger business just getting started, that isn't as easy. It isn't as easy to accomplish. Let's uh, speaking of which, I know you mentioned to us in the in the pre-interview that you had some some projects that that you're working on. Is is it possible to give us a teaser or a hint of what's coming or who you're working with? Well, uh, I, I've got a few projects actually sitting here on my desk that are ready to go. This one's called Tunnel Rat. I've got one over here, another script called Vegas Luck. I've got a couple others laying around here that are kind of yeah. ready to pull the trigger. Um, I think Vegas Luck may go first. Um, I'm hoping. I mean, that would be great. Um, everyone's just waiting for the signatory agreements and, and stuff to get get taken care of is this stunt stuff so, or are you are you are you speaking in in these roles or like what um what does this mean yeah it's on tunnel rat the director asked me to play the bartender because there's some stunts involved in in that and he's seen my work acting so i mean i can it's weird it's come full circle because when i you know back in the day i wanted to be an actor when i first moved to la and then i fell into stunts you know literally and figuratively and you know but in stunts occasionally you'll have a part where you're like freeze mrf or i'll blow your effing head off or whatever so in stunts there is if you can act it's even more valuable to a director and now that i'm getting a little bit older it's it's cool that i have that experience behind me where i can throttle back a little bit coordinate the stunts and then actually play a part so um those opportunities are coming up pretty well, but it, <laughs> so. it's, a, it's a good, I mean, speaking of stunts and falling into stunts and falling in general, uh, you broke your neck. It wasn't, you know, I don't know if you broke your neck in your car accident or doing a stunt, 
but talk to us about, you know, first of all, talk to us about the breaking of the neck. Also, I think uh, you had a heart attack. Uh, how do these things uh, impact you? I imagine they impacted you quite substantially. And, uh, and you know, how did you bounce back from those things to mm. either rebuild? I don't know if you, you felt like you needed to rebuild anything or just continue forward. Well, yeah, you, you nailed it pretty well. I, it's actually before I even moved to L.A., I was at a party and we went for a beer run. And then the guy I was riding with decided, hey, let's let's go a shortcut up a one-way street. And a car turned out on us, and we went head on. I went through the windshield of this Baja bug, and I had broken my neck, uh, fractured C C five C five. Um, while I was in the hospital with that, they found out I had an irregular heartbeat. So I was born with a hole in my heart. So the doctor said, "Hey, the bad news is you got a broken neck. The good news is we found you have a hole in your heart. So you'd probably be dead by the time you're 30. And I mean, at the time, I'm like semi-pro surfer and like I had no symptoms or anything. So it was kind of a, a freak accident that I broke my neck or they would have never discovered the problem with my heart. Wow. So in 1986, I actually had open heart surgery where they had to saw the rib cage open and do the whole rib spreader deal and all that. And ironically, I had my heart surgery where I was born in Sharp Hospital in San Diego. So and the doctor, the surgeon that performed it, his son went to my high school. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> that is nuts. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, cool. Thank thank God for uh, finding yeah. all that, right? I mean, very serendipitous. Sure. Did you thank your friend? Was, hey, thanks was, for breaking, was breaking my neck. Your, was breaking your neck in that accident? The I mean, have you suffered any significant stunt injuries? Um, not on camera. It's, it's usually been most of the time people get hurt in stunts is when they're trying new stuff and they're, they're, they're practicing or trying something new, um, on camera stunts. By then you pretty much, if you're going to have that job, if I'm going to hire a stunt person, I know that they're capable of doing that stunt because there's nothing in my world. There's nothing worse of a career or a, a career ender than having somebody get hurt under your watch. And I'm kind of a people person, so I, I would hate myself if somebody got hurt, you know, under my supervision. So thank God that's never happened. I, I have hurt myself. I broke my back flying through a split rail fence shooting a commercial mm. in Crested Butte, uh, blew my ankle out and fractured my L5, my lower back. And then if you flash forward from that, like I used to be a semi-pro like rollerblader, so I was jumping off a of loading docks and, you know over over dumpsters and just you know bit high impact so in 2008 i started getting uh sciatica really bad in, in my left leg was going to sleep all the time and the doctor i went to said you know this is going to only get worse especially with your field sure enough 2008 i ended up with spinal stenosis so bad that it, it left me paralyzed so i mm -hmm. had to go in and have a, a major laminectomy and redirect all these nerve endings and like all this stuff. And uh, so that could have been a career ender. It kind of scared me. It was kind of a wake up call, but uh, I ended up, I think it was about eight or nine weeks later, I was rappelling out of a helicopter in Louisville for geek squad. <laughs> so you got to have some resiliency and some toughness a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah luck plays a good part of it as well. But I, I've been really fortunate sure that I'm still kind of in one piece. Well, I, I think it kind of goes perfectly with uh, with your 
your your stated advice that you have for entrepreneurs and and other people who are dealing with challenges, and that would be, suck it up, Buttercup. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what, what does that's that kind of a, mean to you? There, there, there's a few stunt guys that that's like, wow, this stunt looks gnarly. Suck it up, Buttercup. It's like <laughs> you know, or you're getting ready to do a big car hit or or flip a car or something. It's like, all right, suck it up, Buttercup. That's like kind of a stunt. <laughs> thing so right, where the guys like I mean, if sorry. we can do it and crash cars and stuff like that your everyday challenges are a piece of cake <laughs> little business challenge yeah at least yeah. you're not gonna break your neck that's true that's true at least you still have your spleen that's always good. yeah <laughs> well let's see i have <laughs> i have no spleen no appendix and no gallbladder open heart surgery back surgery broken all, all my crooked fingers and toes and blowing out my ankles and your day job's not so bad look That's at mine right. <laughs> suddenly sitting behind my desk has never felt any better I know. um you, you spoke a little bit ago about uh you know it's a career ender or potential real blow to a career if someone gets hurt on your watch and and you've had the responsibility of ensuring the safety and well-being of of actors musicians stunt actors uh, and I have to imagine that trust is actually quite significant in the job you're in, especially when you're working with big stars, uh, Richard Branson, Mariah Carey, uh, Kevin Hart, you too, et cetera. Uh, trust, both the the earning of it and, and uh, the keeping it are huge things in business, uh, obviously. And I would imagine that that would be true in, in, in your line of work also. So I'd love to hear what your approach is to establishing trust, maintaining trust. Uh, especially sure. when you're working with some, you know, some people with big egos and personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for the most part, I mean, people are always like, oh, what's this guy? What's this actor? What's this stunt? What's this guy like? Or whatever. And honestly, you know, I don't care how big of a star somebody is when they have to do something dangerous, they come, they rely on us, you know, not only to know that what we're doing, but also my job is to instill confidence in whoever's doing that. And a prime example of that, uh, we did a, a story for the Today Show. It was like Today Weekend Show. They sent Lester Holt out from NBC before he was the, the main anchor. He was like the weekend guy or whatever. Came from Chicago. And I'm sorry? He came from Chicago. He was, he was at NBC5 here in Chicago, and then he made the, the final ascent, so to Copy speak. Copy that. So they sent him out on assignment. You know, he wanted to come out and do a stuntman experience with us. And there's video somewhere around my website. Um, and he did everything pretty cool. We had him on a zip line. We did a couple little fight choreography with him and stuff. But the one thing that he told me straight up, he goes, I don't know if I can do this. We had a lift there and I had my airbag. And he's like, man, I am deathly afraid of heights. He goes, I do not think I can do this. And I said, Looked at him right in his eyes, and I said, "Yes." Did you, you say, can. "Suck it up, Buttercup"? <laughs> no? I didn't. I, nah, <laughs> I didn't give him that one. But see, because and what's weird is I didn't realize it till after we were done shooting that I actually had had done some NLP back from back in my Tony Robbins days. Because when I worked for Tony, not to go all the way back to that story, but I had the opportunity to to meet other motivational speakers like Jim Rohn, who was his you know, mentor and, you know, other Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy. And mm -hmm. so uh, not even knowing it, I had this ability in my, my mind to it. I don't know if you know too much about Tony, but his whole thing is NLP, neuro linguistic programming. 
Okay, mirroring, matching, building that rapport. So with Lester, I said, let's just go take a look. Get in the lift with me. Let's go up there. So we had the airbag and everything. And I'm, I just basically talked him off the edge, literally. I said, you can do this, man. This is nothing but a thing. I already had done a couple demos for him. I'm jumping off sideways and backwards. So he knew, hey, this guy did it. Okay, so then we went up in the lift together, and we we just talked a little bit. Next thing I know, boom, he's off that lift right into the airbag. And he was he was probably, I, I could feel his sense of achievement. And I felt good that I actually got him to do it. And he had accomplished his fear of heights. So it felt Very good. Cool. So, so you build trust by like basically getting yourself in the same shoes as the other person and, and getting, you know, kind of like an eye to eye, like, Hey, this is, this is something that we can do. I can do this. I've done it before. Let me show you. I think it's cool. Very cool. Yeah. No, I mean, Tony used to use the firewalk as a metaphor, you know, overcoming fears. Oh, I'm going to walk on hot coals. How come I can't close that business deal? Mm -hmm. Kind of the same type of thing. Um, but again, you know, these, you know, I, I hate the word celebrity, but these well-known people, our job is to make them look good. So we're their best friend on set, you know, whether we're doubling them or we're creating an action scene that supposedly is them. They love us, man. I mean, we're playing Frisbee golf with them on set or throwing a football around. And, you know, I, I like to build that rapport with, with the talent. Um, if they trust us, you know, if they trust us that we know what they're that we're doing, they're going to have more confidence in themselves and they're going to know we have their back. Sure. So, sure. I mean, same thing with Celine Dion. I, we shot a video called taking Chan chances and I had a, a guy, a, a male, I didn't have any really great female writers at that point, but one of my guys was doing a, a straight up wheelie on a, on a street bike coming down a runway and his job was to slide the bike right in front of the camera and then stop. And then, so then it was putting Celine in, it was supposed to be her wheeling down as a <laughs> secret agent or whatever. So then she comes over and she's like, Richie, come here, show me how to get off the motorcycle. I want to look cool while I'm doing it. You know? So like she had her fling her leg <laughs> up. Over, he does impressions too, PJ. We didn't and, know that. That wasn't air going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I told you, like when we start talking, man, I I get all over the place. So I keep me it. focused. I love it. No, not at all. Actually, I I I I'm I'm enjoying the the the, the breadth of topics we're touching uh, touching. <laughs> well, you haven't right. got the hook yet, so I'm doing all right, I guess. That's right. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um. So so in in general, I mean, is uh is the angle that you take because as i was thinking of the lester holmes story it sounded like uh you i don't want to say um it, it wasn't that you put him at ease through calming him down it was almost like you said look you can do this it was about building him up mm -hmm. um as opposed to calming him down and i don't know whether those two things are different in my mind they are how can you tell what what people will respond to. I mean, is there, is there something, and, and obviously Tony Robbins is, as he said, is a lot of body, uh, you know, awareness of, of the other person. How much of that comes into play for you still? I mean, are you still using some of those skills today to, to get a measure of the people in front of you? 
No, I, I mean, yeah, it's mirroring and matching and building that rapport yeah. where the person doesn't even realize you're doing it. Like if I'm sitting there having a talk and I don't even realize I'm doing it because I've been doing it for so long, I'll be having a conversation with a director on a shot. I'll reach up and grab his shoulder while we're talking. Okay, right then, you know, that that's a trigger. That's a tag. You know, you're what you're conveying to him and then you touch him while you're conveying that, that lets them know there's a connection there. And so I, I don't even yeah. think about it. Like even mm -hmm. just getting my own stunt guys pumped up for a scene, we'll get together, we'll huddle, have a little prayer. Okay. We're going to keep it safe. Everyone cool. Boom, 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 boom. Let's do it. So yeah, I don't, I, I'm not even conscious that I'm skill. doing it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, not yeah. at all. I was just going to say, I mean, I think that you touched on, you know, you touched on a skill that I think is, uh, we hadn't talked about yet on, on, on the podcast. And I think is one of, one of the most valuable skills for an entrepreneur is learning how to mirror. Can you, can you help people understand what that means? What is mirroring, Rich? Well, basically most people have their guard up. Okay. Imagine they're like this. Okay. So if I'm talking to you and, and you're sitting there like this, well, I'm going to casually just cross my arm. So I, I'm I'm mirroring what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, hey, uh, their brain's going to be like, wow, he's doing that. You make people feel more comfortable if 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 you're doing like gestures. If you got somebody that's spazzing out and they're like, oh, wow, wow, you've got to mirror that image. Oh, dude, that's a great idea. Oh, that, that makes them feel comfortable. Okay. Now, like I'm not going to come in guns a-blazing. Right? There's always some people will tell you that uh, they feel uh, that they are at a risk of being exposed. That you know, if if you if you uh, show if you mirror uh, that the person on the other side might pick up on the fact that you're mirroring. But in fact, that is uh, I, I have never had that happen to me. I've never had a person, and I use mirroring all the time. Mm -hmm. I also use uh, diction. I use pace of speech. Mm -hmm. Um, and all those things are hugely impactful and it's amazing how people do not, do not view that negatively. In fact, they often entirely miss it. They, they just find a comfort. Now I'm not, this is what I, I hope it's not coming across as if I'm coaching people on how not to be authentic. This is not about, you know, not being authentic. It's about connection, recognizing the way to communicate your authenticity in a way that's going to be received the best because yes. it includes whether it's gestures or tone of voice that that generates uh, a reaction from the other side that's the reaction that you're seeking mm -hmm. yeah well now also when people are learning that skill sometimes it comes off as forced Okay, like I've been doing it for so long, I don't even realize I'm doing it. And somebody, somebody will point out, wow, you, like you really got through to Because some directors are hard asses, you know, so I'll just come in and I'll, I'll just NLP their ass. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm their best friend, you know. So it's a matter of reading or like, say you're in a boardroom, you know, I've got to go into some meeting with a bunch of stuffy suits and stuff. And, you know, so I'll, I'll try to read the room real quick and and then just automatically i'll kind of gauge okay i'm going to pull it back a little bit you know if i'm in a a meeting where we're talking about oh we're going to blow this up and that you know i may be a little more animated and be like yeah we're going to blow this up and then that's going to go flying and stuff like that but i wouldn't do that in a more buttoned down environment you know i'd come in a little more chill okay well yeah we're going to blow room. that up and yep. you know so yeah uh, it, it, 
once you develop that skill, oh my, it'll help you in every facet of life, personal relationships, business relationships. And again, I don't even think about it. And it was weird that we're having this conversation because when I was going to bed, I was watching History Channel or something, and they were doing a documentary on on motivational speakers. So I they had like Norman Vincent Peel. They did a thing on Tony. They did a thing on Brian Tracy. And I'm sitting there. I and it was weird reliving the Tony episode. I sat and watched that for an hour, and I'm like, wow, I was there right when he bought the castle and the whole thing. And uh, I mean, I I didn't realize that I had developed those skills until you know, years later when I caught myself doing those type of things. So, yeah. You are a master of interpersonal communication. That's excellent. Without even knowing it. (laughs) I mean, I don't consider myself that, but I I think I'm pretty pretty good at communicating with people. Yeah, I think you know it. I think it's second nature. So I think you don't have to work as hard at it at this point because it's second nature. Um, Your success is speaks volumes about the fact that you are able to earn people's trust given what you do my goodness i mean you're arguably putting people's lives at risk if you don't do your job well um and that uh is something that requires a whole lot of uh ability to connect with other human beings and put them at ease yeah yeah well especially the way i look too i mean i got long hair and tattoos and all that stuff so i would go into board meetings i remember being flown to new york Brute Cologne was launching some new cologne called Brute Active. I don't know if that's a French way of saying active or whatever, but they wanted to pick my head and they they brought me in as a consultant. And I went in with this leather jacket on and hair down and everybody was in suits. The women were all dialed in with their little business suits. And I sat in this room with all these suits and they were just, we were having a brainstorming meeting and I saw the reaction when I walked in. They were kind of doing one of these, like, who the hell is this guy? You know, by the end of the meeting and when we were done, it was like bro hugs and oh, high fiving. <laughs> and, you know, like at first I was nervous, but then I was like, let's just roll with this and see what happens. And unconsciously, I think that I just developed some rapport with them. And we had a good little brainstorming session for a few days. And I went home with some money and, the cologne never came out, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> so with some of the work that you've done, uh, Wesley Snipes, Alec Baldwin, all these, you know, wonderful actors, but they've also gone through they've gone through some crap, right? They've they've had some painful or or embarrassing moments in their career. Um of course everyone heard about Wesley Snipes going to jail, uh, Alec Baldwin with the terrible accident that happened on Rust. Um when you're when you're with people that go through these types of situations, right? I mean, it's this is public perception for them. Public perception is everything. Have you learned any life lessons from your interactions with them, and and seen how they've come back from setbacks like that? Well, the two examples you had given, I I didn't bring up the situations, those situations with them. I mean, I I try to keep things fairly business, like why, why we're there. I try to keep the focus on that. And if I do have downtime to chit chat, it's a little more lighthearted. I wasn't going to go to Alec and go, Hey, uh, what do you think about that? You know, yeah, Russ thing. Sure. Um, you know, same thing with Wes. And plus that happened a long time ago. I, it's like, that's their personal thing. You know, I, I just, I try to keep it pretty bi- business 
on set. I, like, I don't talk about, you know, sex or religion or, you know, Politics somebody's sexual. Like, stuff, yeah. Especially nowadays, this whole me, like, you know, a long time ago, we could, stunt guys are pretty raunchy. Like, we kind of hang over to our side and we're telling dirty jokes and being, you know, but, um, so I, I don't know how to answer your question because I, I don't really broach those subjects with, I mean, they were uncomfortable. Sure. Well, how about this? You know, so you, you know what they've gone through, right? Everyone knows what sure. they've gone through. Oh, yeah. How did they, yeah. how did they seem to carry themselves? Were, were they more like, you know, were they more like, were they as engaging with, with their fellow compatriots that they're working with or, or were they more, a little bit more secluded or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, did it seem like that was bothering them or, or they're like pushing past it and they're like focused being, you know, uh, focused on the business at hand. To, to me, it seemed just like, I mean, being professional actors and stuff, I think that maybe the skill of car compartmentalizing mm. things comes like second nature to somebody like that versus just, you know, a normal person in business or whatever that may be going through a divorce or, you know, like, I, I just think that they know why they're there. They've got to go do their job. And then, you know, I, I just, I mean, I didn't see any, I, I didn't see any weird weirdness with either, either of them, even though Wes's thing was a long time ago. So he's kind of over that and all that. Alex thing was pretty fresh, obviously. Uh, Hollywood Heist was the first film that he shot after since the Rust in incident. And we shot that last December, almost a year ago. We did some pickup shots in March, but it's in post-production right now being edited. So, and for those, um, for the few people that don't know, Alec Baldwin had a, uh, a, a an accidental discharge of a prop gun that killed the cinematographer of the movie Rust. And this was in 2021. Uh, so fairly recently. And, uh, yeah. you know, one interesting thing about people in, in, in the public sphere, particularly actor, uh, actors and, and musicians, um, is they seem to be Teflon like there's a, there's so much that happens in their careers. Uh, whether it's on the personal side, uh, divorces, um, uh, that's, that's a pretty common thing in, in, in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, it almost feels like, uh, they, they are capable of separating, um, you know, the, the, uh, gyrations of their lives from, from being able to, to perform. Uh, and that's a good skill uh, for people to have. I mean, we all deal with things in our lives. Some of us, most of us, fortunately on a far less public scale, yeah. uh, but we all deal with difficult moments. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. and to us, those moments sometimes feel probably as big as, uh, you know, what happened to Alec felt to Alec uh, in the sense that, um, you know, maybe we, we really, we, we lost, uh, a business that we had built for a long time. PJ had that experience. I had uh, a terrible experience where uh, I lost significant amount of money on, on a business for myself and for investors. Those really difficult, embarrassing moments um, require a lot of resilience. And, you know, I, I, I give Alec credit. I mean, obviously he did not intend uh, to, to shoot anyone. A terrible accident happened. Uh, and he's got to pick up. He's got to move on, uh, you know, carry on, perse persevere, yeah. right? Well, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of his. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I've done a couple podcasts right after that happened because they wanted my input on what was going down. It was, and and even though I'm not a big fan of his politics and stuff like that, I think he's a marvelous actor. It was not his fault. That was not his fault. First of all, that wasn't even a prop gun. That was a real gun. What the props were were the 
the ammo that was in there. So the the young gal that got put on that film, um, her father was a very well known armor. I don't know if you do you want me to tell a little yeah, please. bit no, of the I think it'd be great. I, I, you know, okay. I, obviously the, the story would, it really uh, is related to stunts and props. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I think your perspective on that would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll give you the reader's digest. So, um, and my opinion on it, first of all, the young gal, her dad was a well-known armor and weapons tech and all this stuff um, who had a, has a really long career. He was on a different show. Okay, so then they called him about Rust, and he said, I'm already committed to this show. You can have my daughter. We'll do it. Okay, well, she wasn't experienced enough. She had been on a few little things and, you know, shadowed her her dad or whatever, but that didn't make her qualified for the position she was in. And if you follow this train of logic, and this is what I've said on other podcasts, my father was a senior captain for U.S. Air for you know, 35 years, started with PSA, ended with U.S. Air. So we're following that train of logic with her being qualified because her dad is an expert. I should be able to jump in a 747 and fly that bad boy. Like, <laughs> you know, like, because my dad is a commercial pilot. Why shouldn't I be able to do that? Sure. Okay. So that made no sense. Um, Rich, on that note, uh, P- P- PJ yeah. should be able to uh, be in Playboy. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But PJ, PJ's right. parent, PJ's mom, uh, not naked, but she was in Playboy. She was. So right. not, based on that logic, PJ could be in Playboy as well. I think uh, I like could that. be. Actually, PJ, I would like to see that. I'd, I'd need to. Uh, I need to work on ensuring that the camera lenses are, uh, you know, well filtered in order for me to uh, to show my best my best side. So we'll Photoshop you. You're gonna have to Photoshop the crap out of me. <laughs> nice. But I mean, yeah, please. I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, um, I mean, that that was pretty uh, on the rust thing. I mean, there was so it was the perfect storm. There was just so much that went wrong there. I mean, you don't take you don't take. uh, First of all, they are real weapons. The props were the blanks. Okay, so then you take crew the day before or a couple of days before everyone had a day off they all hey take us shooting and so they took those same weapons out shooting real ammo at mm-hmm. targets or whatever and somehow real ammo got commingled like like your armor or cart should be separate from anything you do that thing should be locked up and under supervision all the time so i mean it was just a big mess and i mean when all said and done Whoever hired her is probably going to be in trouble, too, for not vetting her. Because I know the vetting process I've got to go through if I'm on a substantial film or, you know, music video with you, too. You know, I've got their lives in my hand in case they go flying off of this flatbed semi-truck. It would be my ass. So, you know, I know the vetting process I've got to go through. They're not going to let just set some Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know, work with one of the biggest bands in the world. So, you know. Yeah. There was a lot of well, mistakes it, made there, and it, we'll it, just leave it, it at comes that. To, I mean, you know, the interesting thing about that is uh, we we know that sponsorship gets people hired, uh, sometimes unfairly. Sometimes people get opportunities they don't deserve. Sounds like this woman didn't. In this case, it became, you know, um, uh, literally lethal. In most cases, it's just unfair. Uh, but, you know, in general, I think uh, the lesson there is, you know, if you want to do 
anything, uh, certainly anything that puts people's lives at risk, but anything in general that requires expertise, hire experts. Uh, you know, when you look to cut corners or you look to save money or or bring someone on just because they know someone or someone's family member, uh, you're putting lives at risk in some instances. And in other cases, you're putting projects at risk, businesses at risk. Uh, so yeah. it's it's always best to take the time and hire people that actually have the skills as opposed to just the last name. Um, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting to our, our last few minutes. And, uh, you know, we have a question we tend to ask all our guests, which is, you know, if you had one piece of advice that you'd want to give someone that, and let's specifically talk about the industry that you were in, the, the movie business, the, the, the stunt business, you decide. But if you had, if someone was looking for one bit of advice from you, uh, now you've been doing this 35 plus years, what piece of advice would you give them? Well, I mean, always go after your dream. I mean, and, and there's always going to be naysayers um, that are either whatever their motivation is for saying you can't do that. It's probably because they know they could never do it. So, uh, again, it's uh, to me, perseverance pays off. I mean, I I knew, I, I again, I think what triggered it was the Fabio deal, you know, when I was like, wow, I love doing this. And wow, you're, I'm, I'm going to get compensated this big amount of money. And so that set sail for me. I was like, forget the gym business. I mean, 80 grand, you know, I would have had to work a whole year instead of one week on that. I made the same amount of money in one week than I did in a year. Um, Never give up, man. Yeah. Chase your dream. Go. That's go, man, go. Suck is... it up, Buttercup. <laughs> oh, here's one other thing too. Learn how to be a rejection specialist. Okay, what does that mean? You talk about, about you had that. a couple. You had a couple businesses that failed. Well, guess yeah. what? You wouldn't have been as successful as you are now if you didn't learn from your failures. Okay, I'm a big bio fan. I mean, I love biographies and stuff. Every successful and 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 if you want to measure success by wealth. Most wealthy people have failed and gone bankrupt a couple times. Okay, so if you're smart enough, you're going to learn from those mistakes and not do them again. You know, everyone's entitled to make mistakes and you're going to make mistakes, but recognize that mistake, learn from it, and don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. So our guest today uh, has been Rich Hopkins. He is the king of extreme, uh, pretty <laughs> amazing uh, story of a man who not only built a great business with uh, Thrillers Unlimited, uh, but has also taken part in hundreds of movies, uh, done uh, music video, uh, stunt work. And I mean, I don't know, I, I would just probably just retire as soon as I was Fabio's, uh, you as well, PJ, probably <laughs> I know, done that's... that given this was your old job, but you brought me out of retirement. Uh, I think so. after that, it, it 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 doesn't really it does not get much better than being Fabio's uh, stunt double, especially given how remarkably similar you guys actually looked. And we will post <laughs> that photo on social media. That that photo uh, was was astonishing. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, I also want to thank uh, our our listeners and our viewers. Uh, uh, PJ and I are so grateful uh, for this podcast and and in our YouTube series uh, doing as well as it is. Uh, if you like this episode, please uh, like us, uh, like us on any of our social media accounts, uh, uh, like the episode and subscribe. Uh, it is free uh, on any of the uh, podcast streaming services and uh, write us. We uh, You can reach us at uh, www.bravingbusiness.com. We 
are really grateful for uh, the emails we've gotten, the messages we've gotten, and quite frankly, some of the guests that we are beginning to book uh, are coming to us through uh, through our uh, website, and we appreciate that greatly. You can also subscribe to our uh, fabulous blog. PJ just actually had a great uh, piece that he wrote in it last week. I've written a few pieces, and some of our guests have. Rich, you're welcome to uh, contribute to our blog. We we always love to have our guests uh, contribute a little piece of uh, of, of uh, uh, thought, uh, anything that they think would be worth sharing with our audience. Uh, the blog is also free, and you can subscribe to it uh, by going to our website and uh, just adding your email to our uh, mailing list. Yeah, Rich, Rich, thank you so so much. It's awesome. been a great pleasure. Uh, congratulations on your success. Uh, stay safe. Uh, thank stay you. well. And uh, you know, and uh, tell Celine Dion I said hi. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next time I see her. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I hope we had a good time. I know I did. And if anyone has any questions, wants to say hi, just I'm easy to find. Just Google Rich Hopkins stunts. And oh, you'll awesome. find pages and pages. Can't wait to see in all the new John Wick movies as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I'm on those, but <laughs> thank you guys. Rich, thank you so thank much. You. Take care. And that's a wrap folks. Like what you heard. Want to support the show? Please follow our page on LinkedIn and Facebook. Visit us on YouTube and please like, and rate us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. You can also see exclusive content, subscribe for free to our weekly blog, support our sponsors, and soon buy our merchandise at www.bravingbusiness.com. Thanks for being a part of our production, and we'll see you next time on the Braving Business Podcast. 